guys and girls, welcome to another episode of the Mental Mastermind Podcast. Here we are, your host and co-founder, Jason Stallworth, and also host and co-founder, the great Ken Candelis. How are you, brother? Dude, I'm good, man. I'm good. <laughs> uh, you know, as always, you and I pretty much, you know, we, we have these little sessions before the podcast, and we end up talking about stuff that, like, let's just hit record, man. This is like material we should be sharing with everyone. So happens all the time. <laughs> I guess we're going to kind of recap uh, what we just, what Ken and I just talked about. Uh, of course, I think we'll be able to, you know, give a lot of value today to you guys. Uh, Ken, dude, playing live. I yeah. mean, it's different, right? It's different than just jamming in your room and, or even practicing, right? Oh, totally. <laughs> There's a lot of just un, uh, un, controllable chaos that's part yeah. of it right it's just you could you could be so perfect in a studio environment but how do you take that perfection into the stage where everything can go wrong at a moment's notice <laughs> <laughs> we mean everything we're gonna go deep into playing live and guys even if you don't play live music um i encourage you to we both do uh but the stuff we're gonna cover is relevant really across the board and i think a lot of things can be applied as many things can that you and I talk about to other areas in life. Guys, before we do that, this podcast is sponsored by, well, Metal Mastermind. We're sponsoring on podcasts because it's cool to do. Uh, but guys, if you do not know, we offer online courses for metal, rock and metal musicians. Uh, Ken, dude, you've got an amazing course on music theory out there and studio how to build like a professional studio uh, we've got several guitar courses uh, rich gray's bass course metal bass master elizabeth she's got a vocal <laughs> course production everything guys so do check out metalmastermind.com check that out if you haven't yet and uh you might have a course you might be listening to this you already have one of our courses but didn't know about all the other courses we have so do check those out we we put a lot of time and a lot of just heartfelt stuff into those courses. And what I mean by that is Ken and I, you know, we take this seriously. We're, this is not, it's not just like a, a business for us. This is something where we really want to give back and just provide uh, one, a community of rock and metal musicians and two, just give the utmost value in our courses. So check it out, metalmastermind.com. So Ken, dude, tell me about maybe a hiccup you've had uh, playing live that like something that happened you didn't expect it to happen playing live oh yeah so uh i mean there are a million of them but um some of the ones that i think are the most fun to remember are having to well we were using the the drum set of the venue mm -hmm. which of course you know in any venue especially in a place like either tampa or uh, New York City, where there's a lot of people going in and out of venues, and they got a you know their own stage kit. That thing is kind of like beat to shit, <laughs> and <laughs> it's almost to a point where it's just like, do I even want to like take the chance? <laughs> but you, of course, you have to because as a drummer, if you didn't bring your own drums, then it's just kind of like, yeah, no, this is just what you're dealt with. <laughs> so mm. uh, I remember that. I looked at that drum kit and there was literally a wrench clamped onto it acting as a leg. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Dude. I said, okay, <laughs> this is insane. Um, and I had a couple of things go wrong that night. The first thing was that that drum kit, the, dr the bass drum was just totally like 
unusable. It was it, it was like I was trying to do double kicks. <laughs> it was just not happening. It would just keep moving and moving and moving and moving. It wasn't staying put. Uh, at one point, it, it it basically broke the wrench off and it almost rolled away. Uh, <laughs> so my 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 bandmates are just holding that together. Meanwhile, um, I was wearing some in ears, and uh, as I was playing, right. Uh, one of the in-ears kind of slipped out and it wrapped around my drumstick and I was in the middle of about, you know, to make a hit for the next, you know, beat. And I slammed my in-ears onto my snare drum and it exploded into million pieces. Those aren't cheap either. (laughs) No, 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 they not. (laughs) I was, uh, I was sad that day for them, (laughs) but in that moment I was just like, yeah, but I need to keep the beat. <laughs> so uh, I chose I chose the music over the in ears, and that that is what it is. Uh, unfortunately, that's what happens. But you know, I mean, in the moment, you're excited. You know, you wanna you wanna do good for the crowd. You wanna show off this energy. And um, sometimes with live, that's really more important than uh, sometimes even the sound quality that comes through those speakers. Because that's another thing, right? Like a lot of things with live, it's it's out of your control. I almost look at live sound like defensive driving. It's never mm. <laughs> it's never like you're driving on a track where everything is just easy and open road and you you can just go 200 miles an hour like you could in the studio, but when it's like live it's like everybody's like coming this way and that way, the weather sucks, you know, you've got fog. <laughs> you got a busted tail light, who knows. Yeah. <laughs> You know? It's the most crazy stuff, man, that, that can, like you said, I mean, like what you experienced was you can plan for some things, right? Like you practice, you you try to get as tight as possible as a band. You can plan for that sort of thing. And for the most part, you know, people can make little goofs, you know, little mistakes throughout the show. I think we all make them. I, I've seen, you know, countless, you you all of you have seen countless videos of, you know, professional musicians, some of your favorites. They might make a little goof, but. I don't think it's so much about the mistake. It's about how you proceed after that. Right. So you, you can, and you can plan for that for the most part and you can be the type of musician that can recover, but the stuff you're talking about, these little nuances, it like, it's almost like somebody thought it was funny to drop this stuff on you at the last minute unexpectedly. And now you got to deal with it. You know what I mean? So that's the stuff you can't plan for. And, uh, it's just kind of one of the things about playing live, right, dude. Absolutely. I'll tell you another one. Um, yeah, man. So I've I've done a bit of broadcast in my career, and uh, one of them was doing Title Fest at City Field. Hmm. I was working with a, a really well known engineer. His name was Cooster. He used to operate in a Power Station in New York City, and he actually had his own uh, recording truck called Powers. Uh, 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 I'm sorry, Power Plant, uh, Record Plant, Record Plant. Record that's plant. what it was. Record Plant Remote. So he he had his own truck. Uh, he had passed away actually shortly after that gig, which was really sad. But mm-hmm. um, Cooster Cooster was really well known in, in his field for doing what he did. Um, and I was working with him on this gig. Uh, Title Fest is a big festival that um, had a bunch of basically title artists. You know, everybody actually Jay Z was there. Uh, the Gorillas was there. Uh, there was a bunch of 21 Savage, all these kinds of modern, like pop and hip hop. It was a big fest. And, uh, I remember getting to a point with one of these artists and one of the stages 
And literally a minute and a half before they go on, microphone dies. The main microphone oh. of the of the singer. Just um, dies. It just dies. Yeah, it go. It just you know unusable. Uh, we tried resyncing. We tried. Um, you know, we had a backup too. Uh, but the problem with a backup is like it's a hardwired like SM58, which is fine. Uh, we always have a SM58. It's it's kind of like your oh shit mic. But the, <laughs> I've got one. Dude. Yeah, it really is. It really is because it always works. <laughs> it's a hardwired yeah. microphone. It always works. Um, but it's not always going to be the best quality. And, you know, if you're going to have like a, a celebrity kind of get on stage, you would prefer that you didn't have to use that. Right. Um, so we ended up figuring out um, and the issue was resolved maybe about 20 seconds before broadcast. <laughs> mm. uh, it was a preamp issue actually so we were like what the hell <laughs> we had to actually change the port of uh, where it was patched in order for it to to work well the preamp just died um Dude, and it wasn't even the mic then it wasn't even the mic and you know why because it was a humid day a humid day and because uh. if it's a humid day you have water in the air sometimes mm -hmm. electronic components you know, they get kind of like squeaky it. about that. They don't. Yeah. <laughs> they don't. And so and it so happened that this module just broke just from the humidity of the day. So, um, yeah. <laughs> and we're just like, holy crap, you know, because it was working perfectly fine for the entire day. You know, I mean, we, we literally got there at like probably like 8 a.m. To, to set up the truck, you know, connect all the fiber lines to the stage so that we had digital connections from the stage to yeah. the truck. And then, you know, we're tapping off of the splitter from the main monitors uh, of the stage. So we are basically getting the same inputs, but we're separated so that they're not controlling our preamp gain and we're not controlling theirs. We have our separate lines. Um, but it just so happened, yeah, our lines just kind of crapped out. That's just what happens. <laughs> Oh, dude, that's crazy, man. And you think it's one thing, yeah. you, you, you test it, and it's like, oh, it's not that. You're like, oh, well, crap. And I guess you just go through the process of illumination. What's the next step? You know, is it the wireless unit or and or the cable? You know, like you, you, you know, got down to the power amp. Um, so, you know, Ken, you and I were talking. Uh, I just played a show a couple days ago this uh, past Saturday, February 17th, at the Brass Mug for the Florida Metal Show. Great honor to open, be the opening act as Jason Stallworth for uh, some, really some legendary, some Florida metal, legendary Florida metal bands who've been around, you know, for 30, 40 years. Siren being one of them. A lot of you guys know who Siren is. Uh, I've had those guys on my channel. You know, they just had, uh, well, it's been a few years now. They got called to go play in Germany after, <laughs> after being like risen from the dead, so to speak, after like 30 <laughs> years, you know. Eddie Bourne, a good friend of mine, the drummer. Long story short, he found out they had a fan base in Germany. They were reaching out to him on, on social media. He's like, hey, are you the drummer for Siren? Like, yeah, that's me. Put together a show, man. Where's Doug Lee, the singer? So they they round up, played a festival in, in uh, 2017. Ed's good friends with Chris Jericho, the wrestler, and, of course, the, the uh, front man for the band Fozzie. So Chris is like, man, okay, this is going to go either really good or really bad. Because you guys are going overseas. <laughs> Some of them haven't even flown before, right? So I was like, we're going to get this on film. So long story short, they filmed a documentary called I'm Too Old for This Shit, which is yep. great. It was a gr great documentary. But uh, I got to open for these guys, you know. 
and then in a really uh, awesome band oblivion they're you know they've been pretty well known around the area for you know, decades now and uh so they played and then another band called seasons of the wolf ended the show so long story short you know i um i'm trying to make this into a short version here so i can get to the point but um i had some phenomenal musicians playing with me you know i, I didn't really intend on playing my album live I, I i've always wanted to i'd love to but i'm a solo guy ken you know it's just me i recorded the tracks in my studio uh you know cameron flurry out of canada phenomenal metal drummer he recorded the drum tracks i had nick z master the whole thing you know he's in what massachusetts so you know that's what we do these days we we collaborate all over the place and uh, it's there's never been a better time guys to do a solo project just you know and i always wanted to be jason stallworth i always wanted to have my own solo thing however i love playing with bands now it's been since the 90s late 90s since i played with with a full-on live you know rock heavy metal band like this mm-hmm. other musicians playing that genre you know i played other shows with people other bands uh i played a few decades with some churches that wanted a rock guitar player so that's a different dynamic though uh you're still on stage and of course you guys know i play solo gigs all that said though i had uh, i call him sir william james he's from must not kill he was my drummer uh, this guy named Daniel Santana from a band called Precipice. Uh, he was the bassist. And my good friend Drew from the Drinking with Drew show. Uh, five practices. And uh, the bass player was with us only for the last two practices. So we wow. our, our last practice we had together was really, really good. And we put on a good show, dude. But I, I didn't, I don't know, I walked away feeling like it, it wasn't really our best. There's a lot of little hiccups. And the one big hiccup that we had I've got two songs that have these really cool spacey ambient parts with like a clean guitar. Mm -hmm. And we decided Drew would play those parts. Uh, So I bought a reverb pedal that had the shimmer effect on it, right? Just for this show and of course for future shows. And uh, we had it down. Like I'm like, guys, if if, man, if the show goes like this final practice we just did, because I had some questions before that, we're, you know, trying to get this thing together. You know, it's not always easy especially when it's your music and these people are having, we didn't write this together. In other words, you know, I wrote the stuff, recorded it. They're learning my material. Uh, And I bought the pedal for this purpose. You know, these parts are very important to the song. Well, the pedal was somewhere in the middle of the stage and uh, we've got some controls around it now, but (laughs) for next show, but will, I think he actually stepped on the pedal on the way to the drum set. And I think it unplugged it. Well, this pedal is going through Drew's effects loop in the back of the amp. So if that's unplugged, or, or messed up in any way you're not getting any amp sound well drew starts the first song so oh, i'm like no. crap i hear the drums i hear the bass <laughs> but i don't hear drew's guitar i'm like so i quickly come in you know and then after the second song we, we figure out oh drew's guitar is, is not working something's going on and will's like hey man I, I i actually stepped on your pedal so we couldn't figure out what to do so i i kept the ground like hey guys thank you so much for coming while in the background drew's like he's like nah, screw it i'm just gonna unplug oh, the pedal altogether so i can get the amp sound so that being said uh when it came to those ambient parts and drew did a great job he's he's a phenomenal guitar player but we didn't have those ambient parts which for me they're so important to those songs man yeah you know, but looking back the crowd i mean the crowd probably didn't notice the crowd probably didn't didn't care uh there's a few other things that that i don't want to say went wrong during the show but things that i was kind of like just looking back on you know ken we're our worst own worst critics right i mean sure you know we tend to like 
harp on those screw ups, you know, and there's some things I could have done better and, and all that. So anyway, I text my friend Edaborn this morning. I'm like, man, I, this happened, this happened, that happened. I'm just, I'm going to stop beating myself up about this and move forward, you know, but he texts me a long, I'm not going to read it because it, he texts me a lengthy text back. It's like, look, man, you know, he was telling me about some screw ups he's had and he had that night, which I didn't notice, <laughs> you know, the drum set was set up a little bit differently. We're using one drum set, you know, I think it was oblivion's drum set. So, uh, he's like, the thing is, man, you know, you, you put out such great energy and people were into it and they liked what you did, you know, and, and I had a lot of people come up to us and, and just give us compliments, like overly complimenting that they love the show. So I don't think, yeah. So it's, I was, and, and, you know, I know people will typically aren't going to say, man, you guys sucked, you know? Um, but if I think if people don't really enjoy the show, they probably just won't say anything, you know, I'm like, uh, Hey, uh, that's the mark of a true professional, you know, to be (laughs) able to, um, take the worst and just make it feel like nothing happened at all. Um, I learned a lot from guys like, uh, Sean Pelton. Uh, Sean Pelton's the drummer from Saturday night live. I used to drum tech for him when we were touring with a band called the cringe, uh, and the cringe is uh, was a really fun thing. It was uh, it was kind of like this alternative rock type of thing. We would do places like South by Southwest. We did a couple tours with uh, Tesla, um, and oh, that, wow, was, uh, that was that awesome. was a that was a good time. Yeah, it was a really really cool time. Um, but Sean, he would he was such a pro. He he would tell me at the end of the day, you know, this would be like early on in the tour. He'd be like, yeah, I really couldn't hear anything. And I was just like, why didn't you tell me? He was just like, no, 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 it's all good, man. You know, you know, next time, you know, now next time. Because <laughs> I'm like monitoring, <laughs> you know, the entire band for uh... their in-ears and everything. And, uh, you know, I had to make a couple adjustments for his mix. But he's just that kind of guy who just he hears a little bit. Yeah. He knows where he has to count in. And he's just because he's the rock. He's the he's the beat maker for all of this. He's going to. Yeah. stay right there in the pocket you know because that's what he does that's what he knows how to do um it's those kinds of things where it's like yeah those technical types of things i mean you know and it doesn't get it doesn't get any better when you go bigger you know <laughs> it's just it more variables for things yeah. to go wrong right so when you go to a place like austin city limits and you're gonna have you know tesla play and you're going to be opening up for that, you know, the first thing you got to understand is they're the main act, right? So they're going to have all their guys take up as much time as possible to make them sound good. That's how it goes. Like every single day when they're on tour, they'll, they'll come in eight in the morning, nine in the morning, whichever they'll start setting up the PA, they start setting up the lights um, and actually it's lights first lights get set up first then PA yeah, because yeah. they rig up everything together so they have all of that set up then they got all their stage design that they got to do right they got to place the risers they got to place the audio and of course you know Tesla they're on tour they're using their own soundboard they're using their own PA they're using their own props they're using their own everything right so now we've got to work with the regular sound guy for every single venue right as we're on tour because each one of those like we're not bringing our own rig like we're literally just bringing the instruments maybe we have our own like monitor rig uh but not like a front of house rig 
we didn't bring that. You know, yeah. we're going to go to every venue and the sound guy at the venue is going to be the guy who's mixing our show. So as long as we were able to control at least one element, which is very popular for a lot of bands, which is to just let's just focus on what the band needs and then we'll yeah. just take any tie lines and send them out to front of house and they'll mix it for the audience wherever we go. That doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. So all of that stuff. Uh, here's the thing. If you're like a band and you're going out and you're going to go out on tour and you have your own like self-monitoring rig, but you, let's say, for example, didn't bring your own audio guy, that can be a big problem because now if something goes wrong, you really need to have like people in place to help yeah. take care of that. If you're on stage, like your job is to play on stage. If your whole rig goes down because you wanted to save money on hiring a guy to help go on tour with you, like that's, that's on you. You know, you have to fix it, you know, and, and people are going to absolutely know that something went wrong because you can't hear yourself or you can't do anything. You got to go to the app or whatever. You got to mess around with that. That stuff is like, oh, gosh, you know, <laughs> that's because here's the thing. Like even what you were just talking about, some people might not even notice until you make it known that something went wrong. Um, yeah. and if you're just a pro and you're just like, okay, you know what, this is not going the way I plan. It's not comfortable for me, but I'm going to continue to play and perform because that's what my that's audience what expects do. from me. Yeah. You know, and you're serving the song and you're serving the audience the best way you can. Yeah. Um, you getting too technical and you having to be that guy on stage is not a good thing. And everybody will know. And it's, and it's like, I would rather play through blind and you know not be able to fix that problem right there and then if i'm on the drums i'm not going to stop playing drums and start trying to mix somebody else's ears that's crazy <laughs> no that's a good point dude and you know and as something ed was telling me in the text back he's you know he told me and i'm not putting myself on a pedestal i just i just did what i needed to do and i was just engaged with the audience while they're trying to figure out whatever you know you're not going to turn around it's like Hey guys, hold on a second. The pedal came unplugged. You just, you can't do that. The audience doesn't care about that. I'm just chatted with them for the 10 seconds that I needed to while, while Drew quickly fixed the issue. And I, right. I, I want to say this, I need to give these guys the utmost credit. Uh, Drew, phenomenal musician. He practiced these songs. Like he knew them like the back of his hand. He did a great job. Uh, Will, you know, I call him Sir William James from must not kill dude. I, I couldn't ask for a better drummer. He's phenomenal, right? I mean, he, he did such a great job. You know, the bass player, Daniel Santana, I, you know, I appreciate all these musicians being up there playing, playing with me. Just sometimes things happen, you know, uh, the monitor mix, uh, we had a decent mix. The monitor, some of the monitors at the mug, the brass mug are kind of blown out, <laughs> but, but we, I need to give credit to the sound man, Preston, you know, you never know guys, and you know, this playing live. And if you haven't played live yet, well, you'll, you'll come to learn this, that, you don't necessarily know or really have control over what it sounds like out there. Like Absolutely. you said, Ken, you know what the monitor mix sounds like, and, and that's really all you need to worry about, right? What's going on out there, you can't hear it. You're not going to. But when I went back to hear uh, some of the phone recordings that my wife took, which we've got some, we've got like pro video and, and audio coming out. I think it's, it was recorded on a multi-track as well, so I'll be putting that together later. But Preston did such a great job when I heard everybody else play. I'm like, and Preston, speaking of audio guy, uh, this guy, Preston, I've got to give him a ton of credit. Um, 
he he runs sound for the for the Orpheum bands at the Orpheum and the Brass Mugs sometimes too. Oh, nice! I know uh, those venues. Yeah, yeah. I heard Must Not Kill play at the Orpheum a couple a couple of weeks prior to our show. Uh, of course, Will was playing that show with them, and I was just like, I went back to the board and I'm like, Preston, holy crap, dude, this sounds amazing, and it just <laughs> he, he's just so good at what he does. So. I think he was able to probably cover up any screw ups because <laughs> one last thing I'll say to that, you were talking about not being able to see. There were times where it seemed like the lights just shut out. I'm like, oh, man, what the crap? Yeah, that's rough. It, it was almost like every time I went to play a guitar solo, you know, as a, as a guitarist and a vocalist, I'm doing, you know, the two jobs. Right. Uh, man, sometimes I just want to be, you know, one one or the other. But. You know, I'm clicking pedals. I've got to have my volume up for my lead, a little delay for it. So there's two pedals I'm clicking and go to play guitar, and all of a sudden lights go out and I can't see. I'm like, okay. Like, I know my instrument very well, but I cannot see anything. You know? Yeah. Those moments are really good to have those glow in the dark frets, right? (laughs) Well, Drew has that. Drew just bought a Jackson, and he's like, dude, I I just noticed, man, my my, uh, the dots glow in the dark. That helped me out so much. I'm like, damn it i wish i had those so. <laughs> oh man but you know you just those are the moments where you have to just like okay i i hope i'm playing the right note because you can you know as a even if the monitor mix is is good or even great it, it's still not always clear because you've got drums behind you you've got amps behind you you've got the bass carrying that low so it's it's not like it's a pristine mix mm-hmm. so even though you can hear you might not always be able to hear all the little details that you're playing like as if you're recording an album you know sure oh um, man it's just it's just such a different but i i had a grand experience i'm so thankful and grateful i i hope i didn't come across as as negative i just you immediately look back it's like okay where where could i have done better and i put well, everything yeah. on myself you know i that's I, natural yeah even the pedal situation you know i what i should have done is you know as the lead guy is I should have like, okay, maybe I'm, I should have moved the pedal up maybe closer or out of the way or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I look at everything as my fault. And when I realize that everything that happens bad is my fault, well, that puts me in control and that puts me and not that I need to be in control. That's not, I'm not talking about that from a narcissist perspective. You, you guys who know me know that's, I'm, I'm not even close to that, but it puts me in control to the extent where I can do a better job at preventing hiccups. Right. Right. If I say, well, that was my fault. Maybe I should have moved the pedal and should have made sure some of the gear and, and even down to the wires, you know, I, I need to make sure all that stuff's done. You know, this is is a, this is a great example of just, I mean, every time you do a live show, there's always something you learn. Um, when you do a a tour and this happens every single time, unless you have the same exact crew and they were on the last one and they know how it works, it always is a learning process because you ever hear of the term, you know, Oh, it's like a well-oiled machine, right? Oh yeah. That, that kind of is the goal, right? We are trying to get to a point where every single tour or every single day of the tour feels like okay we're just rinse and repeat rinse and repeat a well-oiled machine in the beginning you don't know exactly what you may need in certain cases or maybe this setup isn't really working the way you hoped it would right and ways that we mitigate certain things are okay what's always going to be plugged in this way right okay how many of those cables are can be put together 
and tied in a loom, right? We call it a loom, which is yeah. basically just a bunch of cables put together and you basically make your own, you know, cable trunk. Um, when you, when you do that now, it's like, okay, so here are all the inputs. Here are all the outputs. They're always plugged in. Uh, you know, maybe they don't, let's say the guitar pedals, right? Right. Yeah. We just leave those plugged in as they are. We put the loom, put that, wrap that, package it together in its own case. Like and that. we use Pelican cases, right? Like big, soft foam inside cases, but hard cases on the outside. Yeah, yeah. We put those in. And then every time we take those pedals out, we don't ever have to reconnect anything. The only thing we have to connect it to is either to the guitar amp, right? Yeah, or maybe yeah, to a, a wireless system, uh, if it's going to be using any of that. That's a whole other issue, by the way, like wireless. Like, <laughs> so, you know, yeah, unless you have, um, I know, Jason, you've played around with some of that, like, Line 6, I think, Relay stuff, right? Well, um, so I, I use a Boss WL20L wireless system. I, I've used Boss, that for okay. over three years now because um, I, I played a I played a solo show and I was playing to my instrumental backing track just for a long, long time ago. Mm. And I'm walking out on stage and, and I almost trip on my chord. I'm like, okay, I, I've been playing music way too long to, you know, I've, I've never played with a wireless before for whatever reason. And I guess the stages I played on, you know, going way way back i've always been in like this kind of you know close proximity but this particular this particular uh, show i played i was pretty far away from my amplifier um and i started walking around i, I don't know it's just i don't know what happened to be honest with you uh because i was playing the lead track I, di I didn't use any pedals for this i just had the cable from the amp usually you've got a cable from your effects unit or your pedals or whatever it's close to you right but right in, in this particular venue um i just played through the pedal because i was just playing solos you know so i'm like i just need the one setting i can if i need to turn down i'll use a volume knob or whatever in certain parts so I, but yeah, I'm sitting there walking. It's on video. I think I put it out there on YouTube. Hey, I screwed. I like to put my mistakes out there just because it's like, hey, I'm I'm an extreme human. <laughs> I make mistakes. Absolutely. You know, a lot of people would just put their best all the time, and, and I get it. I mean, a certain in certain circumstances, I will like when I put together this this video and the tracks from the show and put it on YouTube. Yeah, I will put only the best out there. Now I'll make another video showcasing my mistakes. That'd be a separate video. Anyway, so yeah, I'm like, okay, I almost tripped over my cord. That's embarrassing. Okay, so I've been playing live music for 30 plus years at that time, you know. So, hey, but like again, it's like it comes back to okay, learning about the process. What's yeah. one thing that I can eliminate that is a problem for me, right? And exactly, dude. you have exactly. to, you know, unless you have the the time and money to be able to like go to a rehearsal space to actually like and i mean like a rental rehearsal space where yeah. you can set up all your live sound gear and actually test it in a in a mm -hmm. live sound scenario without having the audience there you know that's a that's a cost right um having all of this stuff pre-planned hiring a guy like all this yeah. stuff it's money that's why tours are supremely expensive and you have to like really figure out in many ways on your own. I mean, this, this might be a really good course for metal mastermind, but uh, this is yeah, uh, yeah, something yeah. that we should really have. You'd have to really plan out. Like uh, yeah. I know guys uh, who have essentially so much experience um, just playing in bands, but 
you know, they have no lick of like what it really takes to do all the technical stuff. And so they can't work without, you know, a team of people. And it's like, okay, well, if you were able to, you were just talking about, this is the perfect time to be a solo artist, right? If you're going to be a solo artist and you have to do things yourself, this is part of that. And it's like, all right, hiring the guys to play the show, uh, who's going to run sound, um, are we going to have all the effects that we need? Um, does everybody have their own separate monitor mix? Are they comfortable yeah. with that? Do I have to provide in-ears to that? Are we going wireless? How much power do we need? Right? All this stuff normally, normally nobody ever thinks about. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I, I find it to be a very interesting thing. I mean, I, I kind of uh, walked away a little bit from life sound. I teach a lot now uh, in this case, but uh, I teach my students a lot about life sound and those experiences that I had, you know, touring across the United States or, you know, working on broadcasts like Good Morning America, all that kind of stuff uh, lends itself to a lot of experience where I was able to see just how things were done. Um, and, you know, if I wanted to do it, for Homeric, I could because I know how to do it. The question is, do I have the funding for that? That's a whole different story. So over time, thing, dude, yeah. it's a big thing. But you know what you can do? And this is what I recommend to my students is, you know, what's your sort of like dream setup? Like, what would you want to really make your show look like? And so you would map it out. You would do some yeah. research on some of the gear that you want, um, you know, and you'd have to sort of plan how this would work, you know, from top to bottom in a live setting to be able to run to front of house, run to monitors, all this kind of stuff, right? So, okay, now what can you do now with your current setup? What's the thing that you can accomplish with your current setup? Okay, so you gauge what you have. Maybe I have my own guitar amp. Maybe I have my own SM57, SM58 for vocals, right? But I don't have a monitor rig or I don't have any of this kind of stuff. Okay, what's the next logical upgrade than what you could do in order to get from point A to point, you know, B to get, you know, work your way to point Z yeah. to get your dream set up, right? And it's just figuring out exactly what it is that it takes to create a professional live setup is it's such a great exercise because they always walk away and they're just like okay um i have a clear path in mind for for what it is that i need uh so when they make a purchase it's not on something frivolous you know maybe like an extra you know guitar pedal that they don't need um but they're like okay maybe i'll take this and i'll get you know um the line six um you know relay uh, wireless thing so that i don't have to trip over my cord okay that's a logical upgrade and that's great and that's going to make your playing feel a lot more freeing right uh okay next thing uh maybe i want to start going the route of in-ears all right well if you want to do that uh, how do you want to do it? Do you want to do it wired or do you want to do it wireless? Okay. Cause you could do both. Right. Yeah. So if I were to say, okay, let's go, uh, wired first, cause maybe it's cheaper. Okay. No problem. Now, do you have a mixer? Okay. Figure out what mixer you have. You have a great option. I always recommend the Behringer X32, hmm. um, because it is such a workhorse. It was actually a collaboration between Behringer and Midas, if you didn't know. So Midas is like a really high quality uh, audio company well respected for its preamps um and you have midas helping behringer like actually midas made their own co console called the m32 the midas yeah. 32 
Uh, the X32 is exactly the same thing software-wise as the M32. The difference with the M32 and the X32 is the hardware components, better preamps, all that kind of stuff. But with the X32, you get the same functionality, and you get a whole entire rack that you can just put into your, you know, roll-around unit, your rack unit, and it's like fifteen hundred bucks. You get a whole mixer with 32 ins and outs, and you can like really do a lot of damage with something like that. And uh, it has a lot of flexibility. So, so you could have I that always... on stage and, and use that on stage if you wanted to. Exactly. Like, you know, you know? Throw it back there with and... a drummer or something, you know? <laughs> Exactly. And what I would do is like, you know, I would do this sort of exercise, right? And sort of map out everything that I want and build it out uh, over time. And as you know, you get to a certain point, let's say you you're at a certain point where you've got your in-ears ready to go. Uh, your Behringer is there. You've got your mics. Maybe you've got a splitter, all this kind of stuff. All right. So now you want to you want to do your show. Hire a friend. Show them like Take a day to rehearse so smart, with a friend yeah. and just say, this is how our inputs and outputs work, right? And have them just like go through and look around your stuff because let them know the workflow. Because if you have something that you know works for you, you can't be operating that stuff while on stage. You know, you, you know, Ooh. maybe during sound check, you know, you can do that stuff and work with, you know, the, the iPad or fix certain mixes and whatnot, but which which they have that flexibility, right? But while it's during the show, man, if something needs to be turned up because, you know, you weren't you weren't playing the same loudness during uh <laughs> what what you might call it during sound check, that happens yeah. all the time. Your friend needs to now like manage and mitigate that because the monitor guy is not going to know your setup. He's going to yeah. be like, "I don't know. Like, what do you want me to do? Like, this is your thing." <laughs> um, and they're not going to they don't care, to be honest. They'll be like, sucks to be you that's what they're gonna say <laughs> um it, it that's changes how... too when the room fills up and i think even on stage when the room, you know we had we had a packed house totally dude. we had a packed house I, I was so surprised i don't i don't know how many uh, several hundred i'm sure um i look out and i'm like wow we didn't know what to expect but the brass mug was packed that night uh but that changes the sound dynamic too when you have that many absolutely because it's just more absorption Right. So we're just like big walking water bags. So yeah. you walk in and you play all this sound in an empty, enough. you know, in an empty room. It sounds like really, really bright and echoey and, you know, it sounds big. And then you get all these people in and then it just dries up real quick. And you're just like, yeah. holy crap, I can't hear Things definition. Change. Yeah. So now they got to start boosting the highs and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all this stuff, man. It's crazy. Um, but I love live sound. I mean, you know, live sound has its it's charm. It's, it's, it's off the cuff. It's raw. It's live, right? It's energetic. It's very, yeah, there's an energy unlike anything else with live stuff. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm actually very curious and let me know your thoughts about this, but it's like, what is the future of, you know, independent music and live and doing that on the big stage? does that what does that look like right well, i mean we just did it yeah I, mean, I, I, I just did it I, I i'm a solo i'm a solo guy jason stallworth right uh what i did ken is is um before i say this real quick i want to give a tremendous credit to patrick the lead singer the vocalist for oblivion because he put this show together uh you know with the help of siren pat patrick like managed this and organized this whole thing we the dude 
it took the light crew about three hours to set up the lighting. So wow. that's just one element of many ultra professional elements that went into the show. When you talk about, hey, hire an audio guy to come with you and, and hire, you know, we're talking about me and you, Ken, and, and, and even the band as a whole not having to do everything on our own because it's just not going to be as grand. But Patrick, yeah. we hired a professional lighting company. Uh, we had a pro videographer that we hired. We all pitched in for, we, you know, we threw some extra for the sound guy to get Preston on board. So, and, and Patrick even had food backstage and uh, he even had a sideshow between bands. He, 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 his alter ego is this guy named Vic Vega. He puts on almost looks like an Elvis guy <laughs> and he was, he was doing that in between. So this, this guy, Patrick is just an incredible, uh, you know, so I want to, if he happens to listen to this, Patrick, big shout out for just the ultra, like over the top you, you did for this. Um, so yeah, it was great. Oh man. But, um, yeah. now I get, but back to the solo artist thing, Ken, what I did was, again, I didn't envision me playing my music live. I wanted to, don't get me wrong. But when I got asked to open for these bands, I'm like, well, that means I've got to put a band together. There was some talk, Ken, and I'm not against this. There was some talk of me just playing my music to tracks. I've done that before. I don't like it particularly. But, Ken, if it comes to playing to tracks and not playing to tracks, well, I'd rather play live, right? Uh, but I just, I really didn't want to do that again. I've done it before. I went into the studio and I just, what I did for this, if you guys ever play to your own music, what I do is I eliminate the vocal tracks and I eliminate the lead guitar tracks. I'm going to play mm -hmm. rhythm along with the rhythm guitar as the song's going. But when it comes to a guitar solo, I want that to be organic. I want my vocals to be organic like that. You right. know, I, in other words, I'm not going to play to a track to where I'm just singing and playing along with it. No. I need the leads because I do some different stuff, you know, uh, and I want the vocals to be organic. So anyway, that's what I did. I go to the studio. I just mute my vocal tracks and lead guitar tracks. Um, and then so that way I'm actually playing and singing those parts. But I decided to to reach out to some musicians to see if they wanted to do this with me. Uh, and originally, you know, I went I went to uh, to William James for Must Not Kill. He's like, yeah, I'm in. He listened to the music like I like the stuff I'm in, dude. So there got a drummer um then drew came along drew was going to play bass but he's just more natural guitar player so you know kind of you know later he decided to play guitar and it just worked and then we you know, we found a bass player after that so it's not easy i'm not going to pretend it's easy uh i didn't want to put something out there and then have like you know 20 people like right. i'll do it and then them not really be able to do it uh because ken as you know Playing live is a different animal. You can learn the songs to to the record, right? But getting together with another band to play those, it is completely different than you know than just playing live. Hundred percent, man. Because now you're, and I feel like, um, I think this is something that will innate be innate in in a lot of people, which is the fear of it not sounding exactly like the record, yeah. which you have, I think, to sort of do away with i you're you're taking this you risk do. this plunge with other people who can screw it up yeah. um but you know what is the what is the payoff right the payoff is as a vibe it's like you get this energy that you wouldn't have if you were to playing to tracks yeah. and there are, and there are many re good reasons to play to tracks you know like 
if you're going to have like for example like homeric has a lot of symphonic elements that's yeah yeah that's, that's going to require yeah. an entire orchestra for it to be live right which does just, the same thing right night which yeah, does that on they do too, that so. all the time and it's, um it's big right yeah and you know how they do it is they actually they stem it out so they got their strings they got their brass yeah. right they got their woodwinds so and they, they stem out all their orchestral stuff so that the front of house engineer can just mix the stems with all the individual live elements um and it's really important you know also a click track that really helps when it has to become something with playback uh we may use that, that at some point too yeah you know yeah that that's also off, really dude, helpful you know? That's yeah. really, really helpful. Um, I mean, just like, like you know, you can see it in some of the older um, performances. Like, you know, if you watch like old Megadeth or Metallica and you see how the... It's fast, dude. You know, like, yeah, they, they, they play really fast because <laughs> yeah. they're super excited. Yeah. But then there are certain points where the drummer, he kind of he kind of checks them in and he's just like, okay, this yeah. is actually the tempo. <laughs> um, that was another so, issue we had. Our, our, all the songs were like like a little too fast, you know, and... and you know, like yeah my, and again william james You're amped. Great, yeah he's just playing extreme extreme metal right so yeah, he's um, like ready let's then, go 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 yeah Bam. yeah he did he did a phenomenal <laughs> job no doubt but they were a little fast you know and it's like and and you know my stuff's yes it's heavy metal whatever but it's a little bit more melodic in in, in that sense and not every song right but i in i can't you know i can't take any anything away from anybody because everybody did great i mean it, it was a good show again i didn't mean for this i hope i didn't come across as negative if anybody Not at all anybody there hearing this like oh he didn't like what we did i'm like no I, I i'm very grateful i'm appreciative but i just i wanted to look back at some things like okay well what can i do better next time sort of thing but um absolutely no but back to playing with tracks i mean I, I and i don't typically do that i mean we're we're not playing to any orchestration you know uh, so I definitely didn't need any tracks for this type of thing, but playing with tracks that can be a challenge too, because now Very. you're focused to being right in line with that perfection oh, yeah. of the track. So that's a different type of challenge, man. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, not even that. It's like let's say because you're a solo act, right? Let's say um, in your music, Jason, like you were not even feeling so good to be singing, right? Um, who's going to sing the tracks? Do yeah. they, can they even sing the song and the key that you, you sang in, yeah. you know, like it's all, it's all that kind of stuff too. Right. Because if you're, if you're playing the tracks now, it's like, you have to play to what that was. I mean, yeah, you could try no and freedom to venture like, out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess you could try pitch shifting stuff, but it's like, it doesn't really work out so great when you do that. Cause there's like artifacts and all this crap. So, yeah. you know, you really have to play to the original. And uh, then there's also the thing about like tunings between, you know, uh, the set, you know, like, Oh man, I'm dropping down to, drop c and now i gotta go back up to standard e and That's i gotta right. go down to drop d <laughs> i don't man. do any of that man i, I keep things <laughs> super. that's why i mean some people don't like it some people do it doesn't matter to me do what you want but i i'm an e standard that's just all my songs are and, and if i'm gonna play in a different key then i just i'm not gonna tune my guitar differently i just play in that different key and i you know as a you guitar players listening Good. out there i want to encourage you to play in different keys every now and then play in b flat or e flat it's a key you'll never play in as far as in standard tuning play in e flat this is forcing you to play different notes on your fretboard thus you learn your fretboard much much better 
um, this is what playing and like growing up playing in like the old gospel churches, like I did playing gospel hymns a long time ago. I'm, you know, <laughs> this is back in the late eighties, early nineties when I first started out. now. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm playing, I'm, I'm playing along with Metallica and of course, you know, writing my own stuff back then. Uh, and then, then on Sundays, you know, I'm playing in church and the key <laughs> of in piano friendly keys, we call them in E flat and B flat. So you're playing bar chords. It's like, okay. And I'm doing little solos in that. So that forced me just to learn the instrument in a, in a way that I would have never learned it before. So um, that's why in my songs, I, and I'm not, you know, not that my songs are overly complex, you know, but uh, I do have a lot of key changes, you know, there's one part where I'm in the key of B minor and then I go to a B flat or the key of D minor, right? But I go to a B flat there, right? So it's, it's like, whoa, okay. On paper, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But when you hear it, it's like, oh, okay, well, this is a cool breakup, you know? So I do like to throw in key changes is, is kind of just how I write. But um, yeah, I mean, as, but I want to encourage you guys, if don't let anything stop you from playing live, if it's what you want to do, if you have to play the tracks to do that, um, you know, I, I got a, I got a friend on YouTube, uh, Charles Benson, you know, he's, you know, he's doing some solo stuff where he, it's just lead guitars, no vocals. So in that case, okay, you, you've, you know, just dump down your song in your studio without the lead guitar. Now you right. don't, in, in my opinion, this is just me. Uh, if, if I'm playing and singing the tracks, the core parts, I'm not going to have those those vocals or those leads in the actual track. I feel like some of the show's got to be organic, right? So, you know, and that's just my opinion. You do what you want. Uh, but you can go that route. But if you're writing songs with vocals and, and you, you would rather have a full band, we just want to tell you that it's possible to do that. I just did it. And I'm about to do it again. We're, we're already hopefully talking about getting some more shows Um you know, probably with the same guys here. So uh, I'm looking forward because playing live guys playing, playing live is addictive. It's like, man, you know, you know, I mean, I, I play these live solo gigs all the time, uh, acoustic shows, which I don't play the tracks of those either. I just play acoustic. I have a little looper pedal I use so I can play some solos over it and sing for three wow. or four hours um, at a time. Crap. This, this coming weekend, I've got three live solo gigs in a row, Saturday, Sunday, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, um, and I even encourage you guys to do that, man. Even if you're playing metal uh, and you're like, okay, well, I don't have a band and maybe you don't want to play the tracks. Well, go to an open mic, bring an acoustic guitar, go to open mic and just sing and play, man. Just do something live. It's uh, you build a different skill. I love it. I love it. Yeah, there's a lot to learn from live, man. And it teaches a lot about yourself, too, and your limitations and your uh, also what you also your potential um so yeah yeah, there's there's a lot to unpack when it comes to that and uh just understand that if you're in a position where you're getting ready to do live or you're you know trying to get to that point try to make things manageable and keep any purchases that you're trying to do within reason that makes sense to where you are right now because here's another thing, okay? Let's say I go out and I buy the most expensive console, right? Because I'm like, I want to I wanna just get the best, right? Well, guess what? In about five years' time, that console is going to be old news mm. because the industry upgrades and moves so fast, so fast. fast. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you buy a computer and it's already outdated. So don't get stuff... That's going to be replaced 
so fast, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, that's why like, you know, like cameras, for example, are something that people are very, very hesitant to buy too many new, uh, you know, bodies, but you know, like the microphone, like the lens, that always stays and has its own quality, right? You could buy really good quality mics. That will always be a good thing. But yeah. like, let's say you're going to buy a really expensive mixer for what? Does it even make sense with the application that you have right now, right? Yeah. So always keep that in mind. Don't don't just always go for like, oh, I got to get the best, 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 best stuff. Sometimes you just need the practical stuff because you might not even be using that in five years from now. You might use yeah. something else. Um, just be, just bear that in mind. Live sound is a really, really quickly changing industry, um, which is why most, uh, acts, they will rent gear. They'll rent the latest and the greatest rather than buy the latest and the greatest. Cause that, you know, amazing console. Yeah. It costs a hundred thousand dollars. That's going to be what out of, uh, uh, you know, not, not usable in like 10 years, five, 10 years, whatever. Uh, and you know, for the rest of your music career, you, now you, you have to work around that. It's like also, you know, when artists spend money like that on gear, there's usually no recoup, you know, you usually spend a ton of money and you may not even get that back from your tour. You probably have to go and do a lot of different tours in order to be able to do that. Meanwhile, a production company buys it. They rent it out every day. They make their money back. That's how it goes. That's why a production company does this stuff. They buy the the best stuff. So when you get to a point in your career where it's like, look, we're going to be doing some big stuff, man. Okay, set aside a budget for rental because you know what? You don't want to be responsible traveling the entire 50 states of the United States. And all of a sudden, on the middle of your tour, it goes kaput. Because somebody forgot to lock the the case the right way or whatever, and now you show up to a gig and your hundred thousand dollar console is destroyed. That yeah, is a dude. horrible situation to be in. I've seen it happen, you know. Um, because people are just people. We we make mistakes. That's the variable yeah. of chaos that I'm talking about that you cannot control. So mitigate that. Get stuff that if you if you lost it or if it broke. You wouldn't really cry about it. You'd be like, ah, damn. But it's not like, ah, that was like my life savings. You know, like yeah. I can't do that. You know, so be yeah, smart don't about do it. do that, man. And gear in general, dude, like I, you don't always have to upgrade. Like I do have to upgrade my Mac computer because it's 2013 late model and it's it's going to crap. <laughs> I can't run some, you know. But I mean, hey, I, I this computer lasted over 10 years, dude. So, I mean, you know, um, and, and most of my gear is just, you know, it's just gear, man. I, I don't have to have the latest and greatest, but uh, what a great conversation, man. I hope you guys got some value out of this. Um, again, you can apply the concepts we're talking about to just about anything in life, but just want to encourage you guys to get out there, man. Don't let anything stop you from doing what you really want to do. Uh, carry that vision with you and just take one step at a time towards it. That's it. You know, everything will fall into place. Uh, Ken and I, you know, we said this before, if you push the universe hard enough and long enough, you, you sort of force it to work in your favor at some point. It might not happen today, maybe not tomorrow, but just keep doing what you do, guys. Uh, dude, Ken, on that note, no pun intended. Well, the pun's intended, but do you have a metal song of the week? <laughs> actually, um, I did at one point. Yes, actually, I was listening to um, The Misfits. Ooh, okay. um, not too long ago uh, a little bit more on the punk side but yeah. last caress great last song caress. okay yeah awesome dude 
I'm what about you? Out, um, I'm going to call out, you know, we talked about Oblivion. You know, this one of the bands I opened for. Uh, again, Patrick, Ooh, their lead yes. singer, he managed this whole thing. So, of course, back in those days in the 80s, the bands like Siren, you know, that, that I opened for, there's a lot of Sirens out there now. So you got to look for Siren, you know. I always tell people, go look for look for Siren, A Mercenary's Fate. And then, the you know, the correct band will pop up. Oblivion, in this case, has the same thing. There are a lot of Oblivions out there. So they actually right. changed their name to, they're still Oblivion, but on iTunes, I'm looking at here, it's Oblivion FL for Florida. So Oblivion FL, um, you know, separate those words. But their latest album called The Executioner. So if you were to look up Oblivion, The Executioner, you, you should come across that album that was done in 2023. I believe the sound guy, Preston, uh, was involved in that as well as far as, as, far as the mixing and, and such goes, which it sounds phenomenal. But the first track on there, Resist, Deny, Control, it's still in my head because, you know, I just, I've just i got Patrick's voice in my head now singing that song live. You know, it is, and I'll, I'll say this to, to close with, when you hear a record, you hear the record, you, you can love it and it's great and all, but when you go hear something live, it just sticks a little more and you get a, just a different perspective. And it's like, wow, this is, there's, there's, that said, there's just nothing like live music, man. I hope no. we always continue that. I, I'm going to continue playing live. Can you are too. Um, I don't ever want that to die out, man. Just raw live music is great. So. I don't think nice. it ever will. No, but no, yeah. no. <laughs> it, I think it's in our human nature to want to see and be a community about that. So, yeah. yeah it is, dude. Thank you, guys, once again. A big quick shout-out to our, our good friend Vincent. I uh, got to chat with Vincent at the show at the Brass Mug. And, um, you know, Vincent had come to one of my solo gigs uh, a long time ago, several months ago. And he was at the Brass Mug. And, and all of you, too many of you to name right now that I that I saw that night. Some of you I met for the first time. So I want to thank you so much for coming to see me play live. Uh, more shows coming. Guys, don't forget to check out MetalMastermind.com. We've got all kinds of courses out there for rock and metal musicians. Guys, we will see you or hear you on the next, or you'll hear us <laughs> on the next podcast. Uh, one class, one last plug here. Uh, if you're on YouTube and you'd like to join our YouTube community, there should be a little join button right underneath any of our videos. And it's more of a support feature that we offer. Uh, a lot of people has asked, have asked, hey, how can we support you more? We've bought your course and, and we listen to you all the time. How can we support more? Uh, you can do that. You can just join YouTube. Um what we're doing is we're putting the live version of our podcast on there for our members only on YouTube out there. So do check that out as well. Guys, until next time, remember to always create your own sound.